Welcome to the Wonder Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Francis Tapon. In this episode, we have Scott Marshall, who's the CEO of a program that takes students, college students, out to sea. Actually, are you just limited, Scott, to college students, or do you take in other types of students as well? We actually take gap year students and post-grad students as well. Okay. And then at some point, we can also talk about our lifelong learner program that takes adults. Now, we were talking about something that just before we, we started recording that actually older adults like you and me w- did something called like park card games and uh, bridge and maybe, I don't know, Pictionary and stuff like that, that millennials have, or, or, and younger people have never heard of. And yet in your ship, sometimes they have been acquainted with this and tell us why the internet is an issue, right? Satellite connection depends on a fairly fixed connection between where you are with your device and where the satellite is. Once you're on a ship, the ability to make a direct connection that's stable is very difficult. And so when our ship is underway and it's rocking side to side and moving up and down, that direct connection is simply less stable. That's number okay. one thing. Can I ask a stupid question though? A lot of people have Wi-Fi on a plane, which is moving much faster than a ship. So obviously they're using different technology there. Yeah, so that plane has a very steady route and is actually relatively stable compared to a ship, right? In its direction and its how it's flowing through the air. Okay. So that airplane's ability to maintain satellite connectivity is actually much greater than a ship that could be just rocking side to side fairly consistently and then going through the waves fairly consistently. So just maintaining that stable connection is more difficult for a ship. I'm always amazed when I'm on a plane that I can put practically like a ball on my table. I mean, or anything, you know, my rest my glasses or a drink that's full up to the brim and the drink doesn't even wobble and doesn't spill and it's just sitting there perfectly still as if I were on the ground. I just, I always marvel at that simple thing. And of course, on a ship, you can't do that most of the time. You got it. You got it. <laughs> there are times when clearly we're on glass, right? Just floating right. through the ocean and so forth. But more often than not, there's going to be movement. Right. And it's subtle, but it's a much more than a jetliner. Yeah, it's, it's not. Right. It's probably that's... not going to make you seasick. By the way, so just let's give the, the, the big view of the people. You're taking students and others on these uh, ships for a way to learn effectively, right? And I'm all about that... my podcast is called Wander Learn. And what better marriage than this, which is you're taking students on a wandering voyage to learn. Absolutely. Francis, I'm thrilled to be part of your podcast because I think it's an amazing fit. It is wander learn to the essence, to the core. (laughs) This is what students are doing. They're going to eight or 10 countries, four to five to six days with each country. Overall, the program is three and a half months long. About half the time ends up being on the ship and half the time in country. I mean, it, it is wander learn. First of all, let's get the dirty stuff out of the way. What are we talking about price, roughly? For a semester, uh, again, 105 days or so, with 12 to 15 college credits, a college student would expect to pay for room and board and tuition just over $21,000. And then when you add a cabin, that can be from three to $10,000 more, depending on the cabin they choose similar to a cruise model where there's a variety of cabins available, right? 
And a so cabin versus where, like a dorm kind of setting where you have, let's say, bunk beds or how? So a cabin, uh, there's a few singles. There's a lot of doubles. There's a few triples and very few quads. So in some way, it mirrors a dorm setting. But of course, on the ship, we don't call them dorms. These are cabins, right? And there is that variety. There's interior without the ocean view and there's exterior with the ocean view. So similar again to a cruise model, there's going to be variation in the pricing for those cabins. Are you saying that there's a price where I, if I can't afford a cabin or does everybody have to be able to afford a cabin of some sort? Everybody's got to get a cabin. So okay. you start with the, the room and board and tuition and you add the cabin based on what you select and the price that fits that oh, cabin. Oh, I see. So the minimum is $3,000. That's for like a quad. Yes, for the cabin. For the cabin added right. to tuition and room board. So the minimum is close to 25000 and the maximum is close to thirty-three, depending on the cabin choice. Got it. Okay. So twenty-five to 33000 for a three-month-ish a little bit more than three months, actually. Uh, educational experience and travel experience, all in, all inclusive, if you will. And of course, there you get your food. You get all the. Do you also get the visas and things like that, or do you need visas? Do you go to places where that you don't need visas? So you are an amazing traveler. So you understand that some countries have different relationships with other countries. So depending on the passport you hold, there may be a visa requirement. There may not be. Uh, for a U.S. passport holder going to some European countries, you know, they won't need to get the Schengen visa. But for someone from a different country, they may need to get the Schengen visa. So it depends on what passport you hold and what is in our itinerary in terms of different countries. Okay. Now, if you're a student, what is the appeal? This is during a gap year, typically, or do some people squeeze it in between a summer? Most of them are actually doing it during their college experience. So it's either a fall semester or a spring semester experience. We actually don't conduct voyages in the summer. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's only a fall semester or a spring semester. So again, it's usually, you know, first year to last year of college. However, some choose to do gap year. That is, they're just graduating from high school. They think they want to go to college, but they're not sure. This seems like a great experience to test out college, but also have this fundamentally different type of life for three and a half months. And then some just can't quite fit it into their college experience, but know they want to do it. So they graduate and then they go as a postgrad. But the bulk right. of them are college students. I went to Harvard and I can tell you that I learned so much more traveling than I did at the university. <laughs> so I really commend you for what you're doing. And I think it's a fabulous experience, despite the fact that, yes, it is expensive. But I mean, in general, university education is expensive. Now, is there any kind of way to reduce the college bill? So let's say I'm going to, let's say, I don't know, University of Arizona, and they ask for a tuition, of course, every year. Obviously, I don't have to pay room and board when I'm taking that semester with you. So that's one savings that I have. Uh, is there anything else? Do they give you any tuition reduction or anything like that? And, and, and then the second question follow-up will be any kind of college credit for the classes you, you do take on ship. Students who are from Arizona, so they're resident students, are paying a fairly low tuition. Correct. Students who come from out of state to University of Arizona are paying 
quite a bit more to go to University of right. Arizona. So the price difference for semester C versus a resident Arizona student is significant. The price difference from an out-of-state student going to University of Arizona versus semester C is not that significant. So that's that's important to keep in mind. Agreed. Second thing. And by the way, what you just said applies to any public-private school system. I mean, not just University of Arizona, obviously. You got it. You got it. And then, yes, someone who's going to a private school, let's, you know, there's a lot of examples. Actually, our cost is comparable and sometimes less than that private school experience. So the second piece is how do you afford it if you can't afford all of it on your own? So they're probably getting financial aid at their own institution. Most of the institutions we work with allow the student to apply that financial aid to their semester C experience. So that's the first thing. That's huge. Second, we we actually have scholarships and financial aid available as well. So we have a lot of um, philanthropists who have committed funds to us so that we can give scholarships to students. And we also provide tuition discounts based on need. So we actually get a number of students who have what's called an estimated family contribution that's fairly low. The EFC is what's used in college terms, right? Estimated family contribution. So there's a lot of ways to afford it. Got it. Okay. And then what about credit for whatever I, whatever I learned? Do I get any college credit at all? Absolutely. So our partner here is Colorado State University. It's it's quite funny because people say, why is semester C located in the foothills right. of the Rocky Mountain? Right. That seems very strange. Well, in a landlocked we this, state. <laughs> exactly. We can run this program from many locations. It's really about the academic partner. And our academic partner is this amazing university just located to the north of me, Colorado State University. All courses are CSU courses that are offered on the ship. So students who are from University of Arizona or from Elon University or from Florida International, they get Colorado State Universities transcripted and transferred back to their home university. That works really well. What is the typical curriculum? Let's say, is it better suited for somebody who is near the end of their college or near the beginning when they don't know what the hell they're doing? Um, What do you suggest? Actually, we offer in university terms, we offer 100, 200, 300, and 400 level courses. So we offer courses that fit just about any major. The exceptions would include include those who are very lab-based during their major because we don't have biology labs. We don't have mechanical engineering labs. So those who are going in their last two years of those types of majors would not be able to take this this program but we offer psychology anthropology history art business classes like marketing and so forth so we offer a broad spectrum of courses to meet as many needs as we can for for students uh, wherever they are in their college journey okay and how long you been at this so the history of this program actually goes back to 1963 over 50 years. Um, and I sailed in spring of 17, so I'm a, I'm late to the game, if you will. <laughs> but the history, again, going back to 1963, we still hold to the purpose of the original founders, and that is 
we know, as you stated, that outside of the classroom experience can be the most impactful, life-changing type of experience that anybody anywhere in their life can have. And taking people out of the classroom, out of the campus, with people from around the world, seeing different countries, nothing like it. Uh, so we hold to that purpose for over 50 years. How is uh, Elon Musk, who's coming up with uh, Starlink, which is a, a, coll- a, coll- a collection of satellites, aimed to give satellite uh, internet connectivity anywhere on the planet, including, of course, the sea? Will that potentially either enhance or disrupt the learning experience that you have on ship? It'll do both. It'll do both. So. Yeah. Absolutely. If our faculty are able to download material just in time with great ease, that enables them to continue to iterate their curriculum as they're traveling and improve the quality of the instruction. If students are able to have cloud-based services for learning, I think that that will enhance the learning experience. On the other hand, if it also invites students to be checking their TikTok and Instagram, whatever the current social media is, and not engaging in the community, I think that will be a loss. Because the most impactful part of the learning experience is the reflection period that they have with others along the voyage. That is, they go into the classroom on the ship, they learn whatever it is, art history, marketing, philosophy, They go into these countries, they use that knowledge to really experience that country. They get back on the ship and they talk to their peers, they talk to their faculty members. If they get back on the ship and stare at their TikTok and don't engage in those conversations, then the learning may be degraded a bit. But there's also the benefit of what else can I get to enhance what I'm learning? There is connectivity today even, but it's just slow and inconsistent to the point of annoyance that I imagine people will say, okay, I'll just get download my emails and check them offline or something like that, maybe. Yeah, and when I sailed in spring 17, uh, I was able to download material. I got up early in the morning when there were a few others awake and I was able to download material and you can still get email and send email. Uh, it is a fixed bandwidth going onto the ship. And right. when so everybody who logs on, it, then if everybody wants to watch YouTube and Netflix at the same time, it's going to slow to a crawl and everybody will be like, okay, this is not working. <laughs> streaming is, is really not an option. Streaming right. doesn't happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of very young people say, uh, if I can't stream, you might as well not have internet. That's probably true. That is probably true. (laughs) What other thing, what can be done on the internet that doesn't involve streaming? I have no idea. It's a big mystery. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. I'll tell you, though, what we see over and over is after about two weeks of frustration of not being able to stream something, they almost have relief in their face because now they don't feel as much pressure to stay that connected the board games come out, the card games come out, something we grew up with and is so rich in life, right? That's such a viable community-based experience. Uh, We still see alumni who talk about sitting in the space and playing whatever board game it was, uh, Monopoly or uh, your life. 
these childhood games that actually can be fun as adults. Right. What about the teachers? Are they coming from the uh, Colorado or are, they, or are they coming from all sorts of different institutions? So we bring in 25 to 27 faculty each voyage and they come from across the United States and even internationally. About four come from Colorado State and the remaining come from, again, universities all over the country and internationally. So it's a really rich environment in that respect that we get to track the very best in their disciplines who bring their passion for their discipline onto the ship. Uh, and again, that's one of the beautiful things. I was actually not at Colorado State when I sailed as a faculty member. Um, and obviously it had a big impact on me that I ended up coming uh, here. And I actually have faculty friends from around the country because of this, this kind of experience. Wow, that's that's fabulous. Now, what would you tell me as far as the total population on the boat at any given moment? What are we looking at? Yeah. So we can start at the very top. Uh, you're probably familiar with this in terms of ships. There's something called life-saving capacity. That's the maximum number of individuals that can be on a ship at any one time based on lifeboat um, capacity, right? And that's 807. Then you take away the officers and crew. Uh, that's just over 180. And then we add faculty and staff, about 50 to 60. And then you add in your paying passengers, which includes our college students and our and our uh, lifelong learners. So paying passengers, we max out at 600. Uh, usually we have anywhere between 500 and 600 of these students and lifelong learners. Okay, great. And the lifelong learners, they're all, everybody's a cohort together. In other words, you don't have a ship that's only for lifelong learners, correct? You kind of mix people that's up. That's right. Okay. And, and then they break up into smaller sections, obviously, to take their specific classes that they're interested in. And then they That's do. That's right. Our average and, class size is about, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, average class size is? About 23. Okay. And then Summer, from there, and from there yeah. they go on to do some um, field trips constantly whenever you come to port, I imagine. That's exactly right. So every course the student's taking has what we call a field class. That's a one day experience in one country. And so students will have to do three or four of those field classes over their voyage, depending on how many courses they took. And they'll also be able to sign up for field programs that we design. So that's the second option. And then after that, they get to design their own experiences in country. So there's all types of learning opportunities when they go into the, the each country. What um, areas do you like to hit, geographic areas? Our upcoming voyage in spring is focused primarily in Europe. That's a bit unusual for us. Um, usually we would go and hit at least three continents, uh, Europe, Africa, and Asia, if we could call that a continent, because we also do the subcontinent of India most often. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll return to that route in fall of 22 and spring of 23. But for spring of 22, we're really focusing on the European region. That's where our vaccination rates are highest, infection rates are lowest, and we know we have all the right protocols to ensure a very safe voyage. Right. Um, and currently, we're recording this in uh, the latter half of 
2021, are we looking at uh, mask wearing or if you're vaccinated, do you not have to wear masks? So we actually started in February with a vaccination requirement. All Voyagers will wear masks. That's students, lifelong learners, crew, faculty, staff. Everybody will be vaccinated. We won't sail with we won't sail with anybody who's not vaccinated. Um, and then we had to really wait and see the path of COVID-19 before we decided around masking. Right now, we're going to start the voyage where masks are required indoors. Uh, and of course, they won't be when eating and drinking. They won't be required when you're in your cabins. And of course, they won't be required when you're out on the decks. But when, when you're, someone is transiting between a dining hall and their cabin or between a cabin and a classroom, they'll, they'll need to wear a mask. Okay. We also have on board all the equipment for antigen testing and PCR testing. So we're going to have consistent antigen testing. And then if there's a positive case, we'll do two follow-up PCR tests. So we have it all situated so we ensure the safety of everybody. Yeah, by the year 2022, when anybody who's listening to this considering to join in, probably my guess is that the mask requirement will be relaxed quite a bit. And also, we have to remember that college students are the least affected so far for the variants that we've seen, that they tend to fare well. So it's a very low-risk environment. It's ironic because, of course, the whole COVID thing really got onto the mainstream when ships were infected, but usually those were cruise liners targeting more older populations, and they're the ones who kind of are most vulnerable. If you're obese or old, you're kind of screwed. You got it. So you you made a couple key points there. The media really focused on a couple cases that were tragic in their circumstance in the cruise industry, and it was early in the pandemic, so there was a lot to learn from that. The second thing is the cruise industry is one of the highest regulated industries in the world, particularly when it comes to sanitation. So we are actually under very strict guidelines. The handrails, any surface is cleaned consistently throughout every day. Uh, Third, I would say that to your point, the impact on people most significantly is of the older age, unvaccinated with comorbidity. So that's where we've seen the highest hospitalization rates and, and mortality rates. Cost and cor- and I think added to the comorbidity, one comorbidity is just being fat. <laughs> that's a comorbidity right there. I hate to say it, but that's yeah. the way it is. Um, so I, I mean, people have to understand that travel in itself is risk. If you're afraid of risk, stay home and, and lock your doors. You, if you want to go out travel, and I, one of the things I always encourage people is find whatever your comfort zone is and try to inch just a little bit beyond that. So if for you, uh, it's exotic to go to Vietnam, well then, you know, think about going to Kazakhstan maybe or going to, I don't know, uh, Iran. You know, just something slightly edgier than whatever you think. If, if your most edgy, crazy thing is going to the UK, well then maybe you should think about going to, I don't know, France maybe or Etc. So just push it. So I think if you live in fear and fear of this of this coronavirus, which is probably going to be with us for life, then, you know, you're never going to get the point of travel. And the point of travel is take some risk, of course, calculated risk. And you've guys got all the procedures taken in place to make sure that people are are safe within reason. But nothing is ever going to be 100 percent safe on this planet. Anything can happen. And so, you know, don't 
over, don't think about this too much in case you're, those of you who are listening to this and, and, and worried about, uh, all, all these things. I think the best thing of all is just to get out there. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Let's go back to that perceived risk uh, point you made first. If you look at the data, the true data, it's more dangerous for me to get in my car and go on the freeway, north-south freeway here, than it is for me to travel with a, a vaccine in my body. It is well, that's so, well, yeah, the, but that's the way because look at the way you drive. I mean, it's terrible. So I mean, that's the real part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what your wife tells me. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it could be. It could be more about me. Uh, yes, it could be. Well, when I drive, I'm totally safe, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I hear your point. It could yes. be about me and it could be about the data. The data make it clear that that freeway yes, just east of me is right. more dangerous than it is to go travel in most environments. Uh, so that perceived risk, we, we have to get a handle on it, right? Um, and the second thing I would add to what you said is there's about there's there's safe risk and then there's just curiosity, right? This fundamental curiosity that... I just believe in, um, and it's life-changing once you're able to say, yes, I'm curious, how do I exercise that a little bit? And actually, again, exercising a little bit, yeah, do it safely, but take it another step. Take it another step. And I'll tell you, there's no safer place than to be on a, on, on a ship, in my opinion. I mean, it is... The technology now, we can steer around any storm. We can take a right turn when we need to take a right turn or a left turn away from any uh, situation that seems unsafe. Um, so actually, it is a very safe environment. Let me uh, end with trying to understand for those people who are not students listening to this, and majority of my audience probably is, is not a college student, so the lifelong learner category. Give them the pitch as to, you know, I imagine the costs are roughly the same, twenty-five to 33000 bucks uh, for about 100-something days. And uh, what what's in it for them? You know, why do it? And what can they learn? Yeah, so the first thing I would say to that audience is this is not a cruise. If you love cruising, this may be interesting to you because you like to be on ships, but if you like casinos and quick stops in a port to pick up a trinket, this isn't for you. If you like to learn, if you like to experience that learning environment, this is for you. This is probably the best environment for you because you'll be in a community of learners for 105 days in what is one of the most optimal learning environments you can imagine. You can audit classes. So it could be in an area that you're really interested in, or it could be some just new topic, astronomy, oceanography, marine ecology. Oh, I've never really studied that, but now I can audit this class and dig into it and then go stare out at the ocean. How cool is that, right? And then you get to sit at every meal with different college students and your peers of age and talk about those topics and get to know them. What I do know is lifelong learners suddenly form lifelong friends as a consequence of going on the voyage because it's such a unique learning experience. Um, people who work at Google or Intel or Nike that are taking sabbatical, bring your spouse and your three kids and go on this adventure. Life-changing. 
those who are reaching retirement and want to stretch themselves and experience the world, this is the one. You got to step out and take take this this adventure. And one more thing I'll add that you did not mention, which is I just think there's a value of having intergenerational communication. And so you've got people who are going to be much younger than you in their 20s. And usually people, let's say you're in your 50s, the younger generation, even if you have kids of that age, they're usually incomprehensible to you. And so by just hanging out with them, this might help you understand that generation and then by the way they might actually understand you too why the hell are you so crotchety <laughs> uh, you got it you got it. that that multi-generational environment is so cool from someone who's 50s 60s we even have people in their 80s going sitting down with a 19 or 20 year old at dinner and talking about whatever happened in class or whatever was off the ship be it flying fish or dolphins or whatever happened in the most uh, recent port. That is so cool. And to your point, you might just gain perspective on different generations. Like thinking your grandpa's an old stodgy guy and doesn't get it, you know, doesn't understand TikTok. Well, listen to this older generation. And similarly, the older generation is like, you know, disconnect, man, disconnect. And the student might say, yeah, I get it. Right, I think right. disconnecting can be really valuable. Fabulous. Well, Scott Marshall, I'm really pleased that we got a chance to talk and give some of my audience a chance to learn about everything you have. Tell them where to go if they want to learn more about the programs that you offer. Thanks, Francis. It's really straightforward. Semester at C.org. Spelled out, semester at C.org. It's all there. Whether you're Wonderful. a lifelong learner, college student, whatever it might be. Uh, and that follows in to all the social media, depending on your generation. If you like Facebook because you're old like me, although I don't Facebook myself, um, we're on Facebook. If you like the website, if you like social media, TikTok, Instagram, it's all there. Semester at sea. Wonderful. Scott, thank you so much. Francis, thank you. And that concludes this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. FTAPON is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one last reason to remember FTAPON. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now for five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wander Learn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it somewhere. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.